0: since the moment we stepped into the sanctuary. we still love Jesus? Yeah. Everything that's been going on since I walked in here is in line with this message. Matter of fact, I thought everybody was going to steal it from the songs that the worship team was singing. Thank you, sisters, brothers. The song that Sister Gloria sang. You know, everything is talking about all we need is Jesus, and that nothing else can compare to him. Next to Jesus, everything is worthless. The song that Brother Drew was singing was talking about, let him heal you. And I thought everybody was going to steal the message, but what happens, like Pastor Steven was saying, is everything comes together for one message, amen? You still love Jesus. Amen. Brother Drew said that we have purpose, that everybody has purpose. And when you look up the definition of purpose, it's for the reason that you were created for. A car's purpose is to get you from one place to another. This microphone's purpose is to put my sound, our voice, through the speakers. When you have purpose, it's why you were created. And to be successful is to finish the purpose of why you were created. And for success in our life means not our own goals, but to perform the task that Jesus Christ had in mind when he created you and to fill that purpose to the end. Does anybody here want to be successful? Does anybody here want to fulfill the purpose in their life? Then join me with prayer, please. Father, we come before you today. We thank you for your beautiful spirit, Father. And like Pastor Stevan said, speak to each one of us. Teach us, Father, because we need you. Shape us, Father mold us, and make us to where we could fulfill the purpose in our lives for you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If we can read these scriptures, please, if you can put them up, Brother Thomas. It's um, found in Philippians 3. Found in Philippians 3, it says, Finally, now I know every time I preach, you guys want to hear that word, so I figure I'll start with it. You see, but what he's doing is right in the middle of the four chapters, chapter 3, he starts with the word finally because he's going to begin a new subject. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. It's no trouble to me, and it's safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee as to zeal a persecutor of the church as to righteousness under the law blameless but whatever gain I had I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ indeed I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith faith. that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and my share his sufferings becoming like him in his death I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Amen. Please have your seats. That right there in itself is a message. You know, I'm very proud of our church. I'm very proud to be Victory Outreach. I'm very proud to be part of Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay. It's an honor to be here under Pastor Stefan and Sister Chela. It's an honor to be next to these men and ladies here in the front. It's, I I, just, I don't count myself worthy, but it's a great honor. But I know this is where God wants me. I'm very proud of the Run for Hope team and the money that you're raising. I'm very proud of our brother that raised $1,000. And in honor of you, I wore my Jewish cap. We support those that put effort Hallelujah. You know, every day today I see a lot of modern technical devices all over the place, like an iPod or an iPhone, and they're beautiful, and I would like one. I said I would like one. (laughs) But I don't want one that bad to where I'm going to pay the price. Okay? I get a little handshakes here and there. I could buy one, but then I won't be able to spend money on other things that I like spending it on. No, I'd rather take somebody out and buy a hamburger. I'd rather take somebody out and buy a burrito. I'd rather spend some time and build each other up and build the body of Christ than I do an iPhone. So guess why I don't have an iPhone? Cuz none of you bought me like no no no. I don't have an iPhone cuz I don't want to pay the price. Okay? It's not worth that much to me. You see How many of us really want to answer the call of God on your life? How many of us want to fulfill the purpose that we have on our life? How many of us want to be successful? And if you do, do you want it enough to pay the price? Everything costs and everything has a price. If it doesn't, it's worthless. If it don't cost, it's worthless. So we have to... Value the purpose on our life. And we have to want to fulfill this purpose and be successful. You see, I have a lot of things at home that don't work right. They're, they're worth no more than a paperweight or a fishing weight, Pastor Toby. I mean, they have a purpose, but they're not successful at the purpose of why they were created for. See, the Bible tells us and promises us. That for his people, there will be suffering. That there will be pain and suffering. You see, an old fighter used to say that 95% of the boxing game is mental and 5% physical. In order to win, you got to see yourself winning before you even step in the ring. We have to gear our thinking. We have to prepare our mind. We have to train ourselves to be winners and successful at what we're doing. Amen? A lot of people don't want to pay the price or don't even want to go after it because we're afraid of failure before we begin. How many want to learn how to be successful? A lot of be, part of being successful, my friends, preparing your thinking before the battle. You see, a basketball player knows what he's going to do before the game. So when he's in the game, he does what he has to do. A boxer knows he's going to get hit, and a Christian must know he's going to suffer. You see, I like to talk about how to prepare for suffering before we suffer. It's not just because the world is going to pot real quick why I'm talking about this, or that it's full of evil, or that the price of living for God is great, and demanding but it's because the Bible promises us that His people, His children, His believers, those that dedicate their lives to fulfill the purpose of the reason of being, that there's going to be suffering. So I say part of it is preparing yourself beforehand, that way you don't get caught slipping. For example, in Acts 14:22 it says, "Paul told his churches. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom. And Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. In John 15, and Peter said, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. In other words, if you're expecting it, and you know it's going to come, when it comes, it won't appear strange. Amen. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul wrote Timothy. You see, so it's a biblical truth that the more intense and the greater our desire is to follow Jesus Christ and to become all that we can be for him, to try to answer the call with everything we have and live according to why we are here on planet Earth and why he created us. To try to reach the unlost and put on events like shotgun and things that Victory Outreach does. Shining a light in dark places. Losing and shaking off the bands that have people bondage. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. We need to prepare ourselves for suffering. And that's why I believe I'm here today to tell you that we need to prepare ourselves. In this text here, There's four purposes that God has in suffering that we can expect in his service. One is a moral, spiritual purpose. In suffering, we come to hope more fully in God, you see, and and put less confidence in other things that the world has to offer. What do you put your confidence in today? What do we put our confidence in today? You see, Paul had more things to have confidence in than anybody else. But yet, he counted all that rubbish. In some other versions is called dung. And the Greek definition for that is poo. The purpose of growing more intimate with Christ on a, on a greater level is what I'd like to talk about today. How many people here today want to get to know God more? How many people here today want to get closer and more intimate with God? But how many of us don't know how to do it? You see, that's a good question. And it's found right here in these scriptures. So prayerfully, I'll be able to break it down today. And prayerfully, after today, we'll be able to get closer to God. Amen? Let's look at the words. Let me go back a little bit here. I thought they were going to bring me a sippy cup. This scares the heck out of me right here. (laughs) The song that brothers sang here. Those that wrote the prettiest poems in the Bible and songs. I don't think that they were able to write those beautiful words. Those deep words. Those sweet words. Without suffering some kind of pain. I don't think any preacher can preach with any conviction and confidence of what they're talking about if they haven't gone through struggles, but gone through them holding the hand of Jesus Christ. You see, what happens is the people with the deepest and sweetest words about the preciousness of Jesus Christ are people that have suffered with him. Look at the words of Job and Stephen and Peter. After months of suffering... Job finally says, I had heard of thee by hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see. In Job 42. Job had been a godly and upright man. He was pleasing to God. But the difference between what he knew of God in prosperity and what he knew of him through adversity was the difference between hearing about and seeing. You see, it's a lot more to just be able to say the word than know the word. And what we want to do today is get to know the word. Amen. When Stephen was arrested for his faith, he took advantage of the chance to preach. The result was that supposedly those leaders of religious, the religious leaders, they got so mad that they drug him out to the outskirts of town to kill him, which they did, right? And they threw the clothes at the young feet, at the feet of a young man named Saul. But when they did, it says like this, Luke says, Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit and gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God, that's in Acts 7, right when he was suffering, right in the middle of the end, he was seeing God personally. Hallelujah. Do you want to see God? There is a special revelation and a special intimacy prepared for those who suffer with Christ. You see, my friend, in order for us to see Jesus and get closer to Jesus, we have to not avoid suffering. We have to go through it and go through it with him. Peter put it this way. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of God and God rest upon you. In other words, God reserves a special coming and resting a spirit and his glory on the children who suffer for his name. Let's look at three things in this text. Are you with me? The focus of today's message is to the purpose and why do Christians have to suffer. The sad truth is, my friend, today you'll run across a lot of folks that want god and want him earnestly i believe their hearts want him but because there's a misconception or a wrong theology about what a christian is and they think it's supposed to be a kumbaya experience they don't think that a Christian is supposed to go through any kind of trials or tribulations or testings upon their life. They've been stirred wrong or their understanding is incorrect. I need to let you know my friend, as a Christian we have to go through suffering. It's a promise, but check it out. There's a promise that says that if you go through it with Jesus Christ holding your hand there's something special. You'll get closer to him. You'll understand him more. If you want want him closer in your life and you want to get to know him better don't avoid suffering learn how to do it amen the first thing Paul was Paul how Paul where's my sippy cup Paul prepared to suffer by reversing his values Huh before Paul was a Christian he valued many things he was a pedigree he was a pharisee he was a hebrew of hebrews huh he was blameless according to the law He valued all these things. But when he became a Christian, he flipped the script and he put Jesus Christ above. He put following Jesus Christ's teaching above. Before this happened, he was going after to persecute those that followed Jesus, you see? So he flipped the script. By preparing to suffer, he reversed his values. Second, Paul's experience of suffering and loss at the cost of his obedience to Christ he was obedient to Christ and third his aim in all this was namely to gain Christ he wanted more of Jesus to know him and be in him and fellowship with more intimacy and reality than he ever had with any of his friends even with Barnabas and Silas are you following this we have a lot of values today as Christians. We have to be willing to change them and put Christ first. Paul's preparation is suffering in verses 5 and 6. If we could just leave it uh, uh, up there, uh, Brother Thomas, please. I, I want us to just continue looking at these verses, if, if whatever, and just let it ingrain in your life. And, and as you go through the days, practice them. That way, when you go through things, they can lead you and they can guide you, and they can draw you nearer to God. In verses 5 and 6 lists the things that set him apart that before becoming a Christian brought him joy. These things brought him joy in verses 5 and 6. He was circumcised on the eighth day. That means he was a pedigree. He was pure. He didn't have to wait like other people waited. He got circumcised on the eighth day. Of the tribe of Benjamin, Do we know who the tribe of Benjamin is? Out of all the tribes, that was the primary one. Saul, the first king of Israel, came out of that tribe. He might have been named after him. And then he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law... Pharisee, He valued these things and these things gave him joy. Sometimes our positions in life give us a sense of accomplishment. Sometimes the things that we do and have, our possessions, give us a sense of who we are. And sometimes we learn how to depend on these things and possessions and positions and these kind of things. But see what Paul is showing here is, you know what? All that is rubbish. I had a lot more than anybody of you could have had. But I see it as nothing. So don't get this, this message mistaken and think that you could put your trust in anything else. You see, Paul had all these things, the pedigree, a thoroughbred, a Hebrew. All these things were beneficial to him before he was a Christian. A great sense of significance and assurance. He was an Israelite. He mentions these things that go right to the heart of Paul's life before he was a Christian before he was even a persecutor of the church but his values before he met Christ this was Paul's life this is what meant a lot to him this was everything he pursued it since he was a child uh, you got to look at the archives Pastor Steven breaks down the, the process of becoming a Pharisee as a child he worked hard he aimed at it he, that's all he wanted to do he put everything aside to get all this this was his gain. This was his fortune. This was his joy before he met Jesus Christ. But see, there's different strokes for different folks. Paul was that he belonged to the upper the rankings of people, of law keepers, the Pharisees, and that among him he was zealous. He had energy. He went after everything with everything he had. That was a requirement for a Pharisee: was you didn't do anything halfway. If you had your hand to the plow, you gave it everything you had. And he was going after those that were following Jesus Christ. And he didn't go after them halfway. He went after them with zeal. He persecuted the church of Jesus Christ. Not only that, but he was the leader of it. He kept the law to the max. He got a lot of strokes and kudos for belonging to all these things. He got a lot of strokes, he thought, from God He thought he was following God, but he was so far off the mark. He was blameless in his keeping of the law. Are you with me? I don't like saying if you're with me, but I just need a drink of water. But then what happened to Paul? He met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He was on the road of Damascus to persecute the church and kill Christians. But he fell off his horse on the road of Damascus, my friend. He found Jesus Christ. Jesus told him, how much you're going to have to suffer, Paul, for my sake, Paul knew what he had to do for Jesus Christ. We have to know what we're going to have to do for Jesus Christ in order to answer the call on our life, in order to be successful for the purpose in our life. We got to know before we go that you're going to suffer. Paul knew how much he was going to have to suffer for Christ's sake. Jesus Christ told him how much he was going to suffer. Hello? Hello? And Paul prepared himself. Paul counted whatever gain that had given him pleasure before now as a loss. The way he prepared himself is described in verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss. Whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted for loss for Christ's sake. Paul looks at his standing and all his position. And possessions, he had a lot. The Pharisees, he looks at the glory of being at the very top. He was a shot caller. Amen. A lot of us we don't want to give the rabbit the gun. A lot of us don't want to give up our little possessions and positions because it gives us a sense of satisfaction. But Paul knew that what comes for living with Jesus Christ was far greater. And what the world can offer. It looks like the rigor of law keeping. And the sense of moral pride he enjoyed. But he prepared himself to suffer. By taking his whole world. And turning it upside down. By reversing his values. Whatever things were gained of me. He said. Those things I counted as loss. There's a mental preparation for us. That is necessary. Before he was a Christian. He had a ledger so to speak. With two rows. In one row, he had things that were valuable. Position, a Pharisee of Pharisees. What race are you? He was a pedigree. Huh? Amen? How he did things? With everything I got. I do it 100%. He had all these things over here. Then things that he counted no good were Christians. But when he got saved and on the road to Damascus, he flipped the script. Now over here, what he valued were Christians. And over here, what he devalued anymore was position or anything that the world had to offer. This kind of mind shift has to take place if we're going to be successful in our Christian walk. You got to flip the script. Tell your neighbor, flip the script. You got to change it, man. What you think is valuable, you got to look as a loss, all right? And what you thought... Was not valuable. You got to see it as valuable. And not only that. The more Paul reflected. Of what the world valued. And greatness of Christ. He did not just cross off the values. In verses 5 or 6. But let's look a little further. In verse 8. In verse 8. Indeed I count everything as loss. Because of the surpassing worth. Of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake. I suffered the loss of things so what Paul did was he went from the first verses of declaring his position his his, his uh, 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 breeding and everything else as a loss to where you know what he says ain't nothing in this world got to offer me ain't nothing in this world worth anything besides Jesus Christ we need this mindset I'm going somewhere follow me you still want to be a winner do you still want to be successful you got to get this mindset you see This isn't just because Paul had a high calling on his life. Sometimes we might sit in the pews... And I'm one for many years. I sat in the pews, and you might think in the pews, well, you know what? You hear preaching like this go across that tells you that there's a great price to pay. You might even feel the tugging in your heart to give a little more, to do a little more, to try a little more, to pray a little more, to fast a little more, to cut some stuff out, to let God change you a little more. But then you say, you know what? I don't like that preaching. But you know what? It must be just for them must be just for Pastor Stevan, Pastor Daryl, because they're going to go somewhere. I'm just a regular Christian. It might just be for the Paul, the apostle, these kind of requirements, because he was going to write most of the New Testament and start all these churches. But no, Paul makes sure that his listeners didn't go get mistaken like that. He says, no, 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 no. This is for every Christian. This is just basic requirements to be a follower of God. He said that's what it's meant for Paul to become a Christian. Just in any case, any of us might trip like this. Look at verse 17. Can you get 17 up there? You see, Paul was an apostle. An apostle was somebody who walked with Jesus Christ. You might say he wasn't one of the 12. But on the road of Damascus, he had an experience with Jesus Christ, which qualified him to be an apostle. And with all the authority of an apostle, he tells the church there, the Philippian church, these things. We, we can't get it up there? I'm going to ask somebody, if you've got it in your Bible, to stand and read it, please. Thank you. Who's he talking to? The whole church. The whole church. He isn't just talking to those few that have a special call upon their life, but he's talking to all of us. Paul's still talking to all of us. He's saying, please come and join me in this suffering. This is basic due for everybody, not just those that have a special calling. Every one of us, like Brother Drew said, has a special purpose and calling upon your life. Brethren, join and following my example. This is normal Christianity. What Paul's doing here is showing how the teaching of Jesus Christ is to be lived out. For example, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Let me read it again. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Becoming a Christian means discovering that Christ, our king, is the treasure. The chest, the holy joy in writing, loss over everything else in the world in order to gain him. In other words, we got to see the treasure in Jesus Christ to where we're willing to sell everything that we have to give up everything that we got to change our thinking. The things that we value and go for the values that are outlined in the word of God. But not only because we want to be able to know the word of God, but because we want to get to know the word of God. And that's why we go through these things. Or again in Luke 14, 33, Jesus says, No one of you can be my disciples who does not take leave of all his possessions. In other words, becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ means riding loss over everything that you valued. Today there's a sad crisis going on. I ask people, are you a Christian? They say, yes. I ask them, what are you doing? They say, I'm not a disciple, I'm just a Christian. But when I read the Bible, I don't see no difference. They go hand in hand. The word flips for each person. A Christian is a disciple, and a disciple is a Christian. And here he says that you cannot be my disciple. What this means virtually is, I think, four things. Now, write these down or take note or memorize them. Practice these things. I'm not the sharpest two in the two box. Okay? Uh, any, any Hillbilly, Beverly Hillbilly uh, fans? Okay. I'm like Jethro. Okay? He graduated the sixth grade. They said he was so smart he could be a brain surgeon. All right? I got kicked out in sixth grade. <laughs> I'm not a dropout, I'm a kickout. But, so I have to practice things, okay? And I'm going to give you some things here. Maybe if you practice them, it'll do what it does for me. And I think this comes from where Paul writes here. It means that whenever you're called upon to choose between two things, and ones of the world and ones of Jesus Christ, you choose the Jesus Christ. To want to be a winner it means that when you have to deal with things in this world in ways that might draw you nearer to Jesus Christ so that you can gain more of Jesus Christ enjoy more of Jesus Christ and you might have to cut some things out in the world you cut it loose it means that I'll always deal with things of this world in ways that will show it don't have me but he got me hello It means that if I lose any or all things that this world has to offer, I'm not going to lose my joy and I'm not going to lose my salvation. What I have in this world, don't tell me who I am. Hallelujah. I don't care how much money I got in my pocket or the bank account. It's Jesus Christ that tells you who you are. Huh? Now, that was the reckoning. That Paul was reckoning. My pastor's daddy said that Paul was the first cowboy ever. Because he used to say, for I reckon, the suffering here and dirt on earth cannot compare. This was the reckoning when Paul weighed everything out. That he came to the conclusion that nothing the world has to offer can compare. So he was willing to cut everything loose at his drop of a hat. Nothing else. Christ is everything and all else is loss. Why is this way? You say, Pastor, how has this prepared me to suffer? It's a mindset. Because if you don't want to cut nothing loose, that's where the pain is. That's where the pain is. The answer is in suffering. Nothing more than cutting loose things or bad things that weigh us down and keep us from getting closer to God. That's why we suffer. That's why we suffer. That's all God's trying to do. That's so all this testing and trials is for us to have us give up stuff and change our value system. It's all he's trying to do. Then when you follow that and you're obedient, you go through it, you get closer, you understand God a little more. You get to know him a little more. You see, uh, my mama's right here, and, but, but not because she was here. I didn't know she was going to be here. I didn't tell her I was going to be up here. But a lot of us that are parents... You get to understand your parents a little more once you have kids. Once you go through something that they used to tell you about, you didn't really understand it. You thought you understood it, but once you started experiencing it, your understanding went up another level. Amen? Huh? I could tell you something, and you could understand it, but you won't know it till you go through it. We could understand this word here, but until we live it out, then we start understanding him and getting closer to him a little more. And what we got to do is want to get closer to God enough. What we got to do is want to get to know him more so that we uh, allow ourselves to get rid of everything more willingly and more freely because we know in that process we're going to get closer to God. My understanding is going to deepen with God, and that's what Paul was doing there. You see, that's why we suffer. He's trying to take things from us or he's trying to put things in us. Surgery causes pain. Change causes pain. He wants to remove reputation, esteem among peers. Maybe the value of your job, money, or your spouse might be who you put above God. Sexual life, children, friends, health, strength, my health is not my God. <laughs> I thought I was still strong as a boo. Huh? I tried to move a couple of boards and the guys were t- trying to sit me down. Sit here, pastor. Sit here. You want some water? I was breathing so hard. My health is going to fail me. My wife is going to fail me. My job ain't going to do it. But Jesus Christ, he don't let you down, baby. Jesus Christ don't let you down. Don't put no value in your bank account. Heck, you got to have one to put trust in it. My God. Jesus. Our hearing. We try to find success in a lot of things. That are not what we were created to be. You can't find success in anything else. Success is when you accomplish a set task of why you were created. That is success. It cannot be found in anything else. Amen. And when we become a Christian, when we become a Christian, we got to start crossing off values that we had before with a red marker. And maybe other things that we didn't value, like hard work and loyalty and and dedication and commitment to God and to a church with valued letters. Or like, you know what, I'm going to allow myself to be taught by another man or a lady. I'm going to let somebody speak into my life. You see, we didn't value anybody else telling us what to do before. But now we got to cross that off and we got to put a value on discipleship. And learning Ain't nobody win a fight without a coach. Ain't nobody learn how to be a mechanic without a teacher. We got to be teachable and learning and we got to allow ourselves. We got to flip the script. Tell your neighbor, flip the script. Huh? We got to start writing loss across a lot of things that we value and value across a lot of things that we didn't value. When Jesus Christ calls you, to cut loose some of the things. It is not strange and unexpected. Don't get caught slipping and unaware and unprepared. I'm trying to prepare you right now. When you go through something, don't go, why me? Why am I going through this? Because I'm telling you right now. So That way, that way you're ready, okay? Huh? He said right there, you're ready. That way you don't find it strange. It's part of the game, but this is how you get closer to God. This is how you learn more about God. It's by allowing yourself to suffer with him. I didn't understand my mother. I didn't understand my father till I started having children. Then I started catching myself saying stuff like they said. All of a sudden, I started understanding my mama a little more. All of a sudden, I started understanding my father a little more. Then I understood when I didn't buy me things to buy my children things. I started understanding how he didn't have nice pants and shoes. I started understanding sacrifice a little more. You see, we got to share in his suffering in order to get to know Jesus Christ. When Paul suffered in the second half of verse 8, can we just leave them up there? Please. In the second half of verse 8 Paul moves from preparing for suffering to the where he's in suffering he says indeed I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for his sake I have suffered the loss uh, and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ he goes from talking about it to where he's right in the middle of it you see He says, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might, fi- I might gain Christ. Paul had gone through losing actually everything that he had in the world, benefits and comforts that were before normal to him. You see, Paul was a Pharisee. If you know anything about Pharisees, they, 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 the money uh, 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 back then was called de, 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 denario. It comes from the Latin word denaro. <laughs> it means money. Okay, the Pharisees had a lot of money. They had possessions. They had nice houses. Okay, they got the highest respect of everybody in the city. Their, their spot was in, this, in the center of the city. Everything else stemmed from them. He had all this. And then we know as you read the life of Paul, he was placed in prison. He was shipwrecked. He was snake bit. He was whipped. He was put in prison. Huh? He gave up everything that before was just normal comfort to him. How can he do this? And why? Paul had gone through losing everything that the world used to give him that he found comfort in before. That he could say that he was not merely counting them lost anymore, but he actually suffered the loss. He had prepared by turning his values upside down. And now he's going through the are you? ready for the test do you really value christ above all are you ready to go through the test of do you really love jesus christ see there's a test do you really love jesus christ because that test when you pass it is going to draw you closer do we really want to come closer to jesus christ do you really want to get to know christ on a personal level do you really want to get closer to God and your knowledge of him and your understanding of him? Well, then you've got to go through this test, my brothers, my sisters. I encourage you. I shout out to you. Please pass this test. Don't get caught not tr- knowing that you've got to go through it because the suffering is there for a purpose. It's not purposeless. You see, it's like me not wanting to buy that iPad. I don't see no value in that phone. Okay, but I see value in Jesus Christ. I'm willing to pay the price. Do you see value in Jesus Christ? Do you see value in that life? Really, do you want to live your life according to why you're here on earth? Then you have to be willing to pay the price. It's worth it. It's a small price to pay for the gain. What, What was Paul trying to get out of all this suffering? What was God's purpose in all the suffering for Paul? Let me close with this. Is Sister Gloria still here? That song she sang, thats a pretty song. Let's zoom our intention. Just really try to focus on what Paul's goal was when he wrote this and why he endured the suffering, but also let's meditate on what God's purpose was in the suffering for Paul. Why did God ordain and why did Paul accept the losses? See, every suffering and every trial and every situation that we go through is ordained by God. But then our part is to accept it. Why did God ordain the suffering of Paul and why did Paul accept these losses? What did it mean to him? It meant to him to be a Christian that this was the way to get closer to God. That he had to let these things be removed from him. That he had to allow the mind to be shifted and changed. That there had to be a heart surgery taking place. That there had to be a whole different perspective for the kingdom of God and that of the world. Paul gives the answer again and again in these verses here so that we can't miss it. He starts off in verse 1 and he says, I don't count this a loss to repeat myself. You see, finally he's saying I will repeat it as much as I have to if it's what I have to do to get through to you to where maybe you might be willing to go through your situations without trying to run from them without trying to hide from them or wondering why you're going through them but I want you to understand that these have a great purpose to draw you closer to God to get a greater understanding for God so if I have to repeat it and repeat it again and again in the same letter I'm going to And I don't think that it's a waste of your time to hear it over and over and over and over. Paul was telling the church of the Philippians here. You see, he says it over and over so that nobody could miss it. He is not responsive in the suffering loss. In other words, when Paul was going through it, he didn't fight it. He didn't run from it. You see... In the fight game in the ring, uh, uh, Brother Tommy, if I was to ask him, front him off, he'll tell you, on fight day, how much percentage is physical, how much percentage is mental? I never told him I was going to ask him this. How much is mental in the ring the day of the fight? 95% is mental in the ring the day of the fight. And 5% physical. But when you're preparing for the fight, it's the other way around. It's 95% training and 5% mental. In other words, we spend too much time trying to figure out why am I going through this and what's the purpose when we shouldn't be paying that much mind to and just go through it. And let ourselves get trained and let ourselves get, get, get in shape. Because when that fight time comes... I said, when that fight time comes, you're going to be ready. And then you're going to have confidence. You're going to have, I know I could win this fight instead of second questioning. And that now all of a sudden the script flips. It's only 5% physical and 95% mental. You got the mind of a winner now. Why? Because you suffered with Christ and you understand him. You got the mind of a winner. Why? Because you know Jesus Christ. You understand his way and you're ready for the fight. You know before the fight that you're going to win. That's called confidence. Confidence is a compound word, Pastor Paul. Two words, right? Con and fidelis, right? Con means, and fidel means, faith. Before you enter the fight, you must go into the fight with faith faith and that faith comes from the training before the battle that faith comes that confidence comes by knowing that you had good training that you went through it not by avoiding it not by questioning it by listening to your trainer by understanding the words and living them out so when the fight comes you come ready and you have the confidence do you want to win don't question the training let it happen let it happen. Don't wonder why. Just know that God ordained it. And know that if you go through it with Him, it's gonna get you closer. Just know I'm, I'm I'm hurting, but I'm gonna get closer to God. So so what? Take it, Lord, take it. I don't care. It's rubbish anyway. Amen. I don't want the five minutes, Pastor Tony. I want a series. <laughs> Just kidding, Pastor. Just kidding. I told myself, don't ever use this pulpit for payback. Verse 7, I counted them lost for the sake of Jesus. Verse 8, I count all things to be lost for the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. Verse 8B, for him I have suffered for the loss of things. Verse 8C, and I count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. In verse 9, and that I may be found in him so as to have God's righteousness, not my own. In verse 10, still giving him his aim and accepting the loss of all things that I may know him. And in verse 10B, followed by four specifics of what it means to know Jesus Christ to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death in order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead we can get the worship team the power of his resurrection we got to know all these things When Jesus Christ came into our hearts, you have the power inside of you to raise the dead. You have the power inside of you to no longer be the old person, but the new person can come alive. You have the fellowship of his suffering. It's when we endure things that he did that we understand him more. Being conformed to his death in order that you may obtain the resurrection for the dead. In other words, what sustains Paul in suffering, the loss of all things, the confidence that in losing precious things in the world, he is gaining something more precious in Jesus Christ. How do we prepare ourselves to suffer? Is we, yes, we're going to grieve stuff. (laughs) You know what I mean? You could lose a tooth and miss it. My tongue keeps going where all my teeth used to be. But you get over it. Don't trip on it like poor me. Know that it's going to bring you more riches. Know that whatever God's asking you to get rid of, it's because he's trying to bless you. Know that whatever he's trying to remove in your life doesn't mean that your life is going to be worse off. No, it's going to be better. You're going to get closer to God. You're going to get to know God. And if you allow this to happen when you find yourself in the battle, you'll have the confidence to win that battle. You'll know that you have already done this and you've done that and that God had gotten closer to you. And now you know his power of resurrection. You shared in his suffering. And then you'll have the confidence to face any challenge that comes your way. This kind of power gets rid of all fear. If you're afraid, this is the answer. If you're hurting, this is the way. If you think that you might lose, no, you're going to gain. Paul said, so I will gain Jesus Christ. This is the answer, my friends. The intimacy. We want to become more intimate with Jesus Christ. This is the main thing in this whole message is to get closer to God. And the factor to get closer is called suffering. Do we want to know him, church? Do we want to know him more? Do we want to get more personal with him on a deeper level than ever before? Do you want to have a real, intimate, close relationship with God? Do you want to really know God? Do you want to know him? Church, we can't be afraid to suffer. You can't be afraid to pay a price. I will never have an iPod or an iPhone unless one of you guys give it to me. I ain't going to pay the price. I will not pay no. I'm sorry. Some people I have on pastor. I don't see the, you know, I don't value. Maybe later I will, you know. I'm a basic guy. I make phone calls and now I'm a disciple of Pastor Steven. I text. Okay. <laughs> I said I'll never text, but Pastor seven said, yes, you will. So I'm texting. I'm swiping everything. <laughs> I'm not going to buy something that I don't think is worth it. We have to want Jesus Christ enough to where we pay the price. And Paul said, I reckon that the price that I have to pay cannot compare. It don't come close, church. Everybody in this church knows that whatever you're going through, the answer is Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? You know that the answer is Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? We know it in our heart, but we're afraid. We're insecure. We don't know if we actually can do it. This is how you get your security. This is how you get your confidence. Is by going through it with him. Can you stand If you're suffering and you haven't been knowing why and you want to get to know God more, I invite you here to this altar today, right now. Ask God to help you learn how to suffer. Ask God to go through it with you. Ask God right now to help you flip the script. I'm going to share a secret with you. Nobody here in this front row or anywhere in Victory Outreach International has gone anywhere without going through these steps. What you're doing right now is taking steps to get closer to God. What you're doing right now is taking steps saying, I want to be more intimate with you, God. That I'm willing to let you take everything that I valued and change my values. Lord, I want to get to know you more. And say, perhaps, maybe you're afraid that you've been avoiding things. You might have successes in many areas. You might have been facing challenges and successful with them. But there's certain challenges that are always defeating you. There's certain things that, man, that I'm always falling for that thing. That thing keeps whipping on me. It might be pride. It might be lust. Might be money. I need victory over this. And God wants to take it from you today. Please, please, the altar's open. The altar's open. And then maybe you don't know Jesus Christ. You might say, I don't even.